Welcome to the Christian Worship Center podcast. We pray that this message encourages you and inspires you. Visit us online at www.cwcsj.org for service times and directions. Well, we're going to tell a story a little bit later, right out of the scripture, just a little bit later, because I feel like um, before we get to the scripture, we need to lay some um, groundwork, because oftentimes we read the word um, and we don't understand where we are in it. We just read it, and it's a great story, and it has some meanings, but, meaning, but we really don't think about what the characters were thinking, what they were going through, what, you know, what was going on in their life. And, and a lot of times there's stuff that goes on in their lives <laughs> that we don't, we don't even think about when we're reading the story, and it kind of takes some of the meaning out of what God is trying to say to us in his word. How many of you know that um, life happens and stuff happens, and sometimes stuff stinks? Right? It does. We go through things. People walk out. We lose loved ones. We, 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 we suffer abuse. We get fired. We lose our homes. We lose our jobs. We get sick. People we love get sick. Things happen. And life is hard sometimes. It becomes difficult sometimes. But when things happen, we have to understand that there's an arrangement that God has made. He's, it's already been put in place. And everything that happens in life prepares us for the next season. And, and unfortunately, when we came to know Jesus personally as our Savior, he didn't promise us that things would be gravy. He just didn't. He didn't. If it wasn't that way for the disciples, then we can't expect that it'll be that way for us. We have to understand that life does happen. Things happen. We get hurt. We get tired. Anybody tired in this place this morning? Tired? Just generally tired. Working hard, trying to make it work. Listen, I know. I know what it's like. I'm, I'm in the midst of trying to, to, to get a business off the ground. Thank you, Pastor Ant. We're almost there. We're almost there. I'm in school full-time at the Institute for, well, it's a full-time class, Institute for Integrative Nutrition. It's crazy, crazy hours, crazy study, but I love it. I'm teaching Bible college. I'm ministering full-time. My mom is sick, ill, failing, and I'm taking care of my mom. My daughter just, you know, got a crazy diagnosis. Things happen. Stuff happens. And, And it hurts. And we get tired, and we get disillusioned. It's really the word. Oh my gosh, how are you? Yeah, we get disillusioned with things. Do you know what disillusioned means? I actually looked it up yesterday. I was just going to say the word, and I looked it up. And disillusioned means this. It means having lost faith or trust that something is as good or valuable or true as it seemed. So let's think about that. What happens when we get delusioned with life? Really, when we get disillusioned with life and we're believers, what, what's happened is we've gotten disillusioned with God. So we've come to a place where we've lost faith or trust that the one that we believe in is good, valuable, or true. Okay, am I the only one that can be real in here this morning? This isn't about your husband or your wife. This is about you and me. Okay? Okay. Because when we get disillusioned with God, we, get, we, we, we lose our ability to see the big picture. We, we lose the clarity, the understanding that his goodness is all around us and that the plan has already been made. He's not waiting to make something happen. He's already made everything happen. And if you're in his plan, it it's all ends up good. 
No matter what season you're in, I'm not taking away from the difficulty. I'm not taking away from the exhaustion. But there's something that we need to see here because we lose the luster of life. Okay, come on. You guys know what it's, know what it's like. You know what it means. This, Valerie, when you danced, Anna, she, looked, she, she leaned over to me and she said she, she releases that because she knows what it looks like. Yeah, she's familiar with that. We, we should all be familiar with that. We should all be seeing that. We should all be seeing that kind of glory. Because if we can see that kind of glory, then we can do what we've been created to do, which is carry that kind of glory, carry that kind of glory, and release that kind of glory. But when we become disillusioned, we lose the luster. It happens to all of us. Sometimes it's the stuff that happens. And sometimes it's people that happens. And sometimes those people are not the other people, they're, they're us. Sometimes we get in our own way and we become so big, our lives and our stuff and, and what we need and, and what we want become so big in our own eyes that we, we can't even see God anymore. Sometimes we're our biggest obstacle. But how many of you know that God has already made the arrangement? He's made the arrangement for your life and he's made the arrangement for my life. I want to read a scripture out of 1 Corinthians 2.9. It's what I'm going to open with, the arrangement. It says, I has not seen nor has ear heard nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. Now let's go to a different version of that same translation because... It's really important because the original language actually lines up more with this translation. And it's out of the Message Bible, 1 Corinthians 2.9. It says, no one has ever seen or heard anything like this. Never so imagined anything quite like it. What God has arranged for those who love him. See, there's a difference uh, between something being prepared and something being arranged. It, it's completely different. When something has been arranged, it means that things have been put in order the order that's required in order for something to be accomplished. You can prepare something and somebody might not show up, but if the arrangements have been made, that, that means there's an order to things. There's an order to things that have already been put into place. And I'm telling you this morning, you serve a God that has already made the arrangement for your life. It doesn't mean that stuff won't happen. It doesn't mean that difficulty won't take place. It doesn't mean that you won't get tired. What it means... What it means is God is already in your tomorrow. He's already been there. He's on the other side of your difficulty, and he's saying, come on, come on through, because really I already have it taken care of. The verse goes on to say this in the Message Bible. It says, but you have seen, past tense, and you have heard. You've heard it because God, by his spirit, has brought it all out into the open, into the open, into the open before you. He's bringing something into the open in this place this morning. Sometimes our disillusionment causes, causes us to have sight that is blurry. We don't quite understand what is going on. And we go back to the familiar. We go back to, you know, what we're accustomed to. We go back to what, um, what makes us feel comfortable. We go back to what we can be successful in. We really do. And then we find ourselves tired and exhausted and, and feeling like, is this all there is? 
Is this all there is to life? And I'm going somewhere. We'll get there in just a minute. It's those, 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 that stuff that happens in life that really feels like, you know, if you're just, they just, they threw a wrench in the plan, you know? It's like things, you know what? I had a plan. I was, I was working this out here. And all of a sudden this happened and it's not, it's not working for me. Following God can be hard. The disciples were followers of God. You and I are following him. He didn't promise us that when we said, yes, Lord, I want to follow you, that he was going to take care of all of our junk. He didn't even promise us that bad things wouldn't happen. Following God can present challenges. It can present ridicule. It can present um, tragedy. It can present conflict. It really can. So what do we do? Come on. Am I talking to some people that are alive this morning? Come on. What do we do, really? What do we do when God does not do things the way we have planned them? You know what I'm talking about? When we've got a plan going on and it just doesn't seem to work out, it's probably because he's got something better in store. It might be because we need to recognize that the picture is bigger than what we've got our eyes on. But that's our problem. We keep our eyes on this little tiny picture. And there's this great big God working it out for us. But we've got our eyes on our little tiny picture. And God's opening some eyes in this place this morning. How many of you know that you can be in the perfect will of God and everything can blow up in your face? And you know what? When I first heard the Lord say that to my spirit, I was like, that just doesn't sound like right theology. I've always heard, you know, if you're in that perfect will of God, all things are good. Well, Jesus Christ himself was in the perfect will of God when he went to the cross. And I'm sure that that wasn't an easy task. So if he had to endure, then certainly we have to endure for the glory, for the glory of the king. It doesn't make it easy. I'm not making light of anybody's difficulty or hurt this morning. But sometimes we just don't like the way God is working things out. Let's just be honest. We don't like the way things, that ha- things are happening. We're tired. We're exhausted. God doesn't look like we expect him to look. He, hasn't, he doesn't appear to us like, like we've expected him to appear or even like he's looked to us before. And sometimes when that happens, we don't recognize who he is. He could be standing right in front of us. And we don't recognize who he is. So what happens when he's not working things out the way that we'd like What happens is we lose sight of the arrangement. We forget about his character. We lose faith. Like I just, we become disillusioned. We lose faith and we lose trust in the goodness or in the integrity or the truth of the thing or the whom that we have believed in. All of us do it. And then we become ineffective in life, in our relationships, in our workplace, in our ministry, become ineffective because the hope that we were created to carry and offer, right, in that order. First, we got to carry it. We got to learn how to carry that hope. And then we got to offer it. But, but what happens is when we become disillusioned, that, that hope just isn't. It's just not. And that's when life really loses its luster. So the disciples, we know, they, they followed God, Right? Right? They followed God. They were like, Woo, we're all in. This guy is doing some stuff. When he was amazing, they were there. When he was amazing the folks, they were there. We're with him. See, I've been dressed like him. You know, I look like him. He's cool. I'm following him. He's doing big things. 
He's doing big things. They followed him when he was establishing rule, when he was working in signs and wonders and miracles, right? They followed him. They were like, who? He's cool to be with. This is good. They followed him because they expected that what he was establishing would change their current situation. They expected that as he established his rule and overthrew, uh, overthrew Rome, that things would get better for them. How many of you know it's okay to live in that place where we expect God to change things for us? It's okay. But there's a bigger picture. And if we get stuck in that place, we start thinking that it's all about us. So they followed when they were being amazed, when the lame were, lame were being healed, when the blind were seeing, when, when Lazarus was raised for the dead, when Jesus was turning water into wine or feeding 5,000 with just a few fish. They were there. They were part of it. We're with him. Celebrity status. And then they took him to the cross. And the disciples, whoa, what happened? What just happened? Where's your king now? They started to hear. Where's your God now? And, and they started to question, mm, man, this is not cool. And you know what? To be honest, that happens to us. You know, we got a family member that's unsaved, and we go through something, and they're the first one to ring us up. Where's your God now? They may not say it quite like that. Aren't you a Christian? What do you mean you lost your house? Don't you pay your tithes? What do you mean you have diabetes? Don't you believe? I thought you believed in a God that heals. You know, we're here at the workplace. Have a bad day. You know, that, that boss that's not, you know, that you know where his origin is or her origin is. You know, you know, they're just not, they're not, you know. But they know you're a Christian. And the moment you have a bad day, they're like, where's your joy? Come on. You know what I'm talking about? So they began to ridicule the disciples, and they didn't like it. It got uncomfortable. They followed when it was comfortable to follow. But when it got uncomfortable, they, they recoiled. You know what that means? They just they withdrew. They, they, they hid. Scripture says they hid. They even denied. Peter denied him after following him. He denied him. Yet we in the church, we sit back and say, man, how could Peter do that? How could Peter deny him? He walked with him. Well, Peter didn't know the whole story. He didn't have the scriptures like we have the scriptures. So when Jesus died, he thought it was over. He's like, he's dead. He's dead. We were just with him. And now he's dead. Yet we've got the story. We're on the other side of the cross. We've got the scriptures. He rose again. He didn't die and stay dead. He rose from the dead and he's alive. And we know this. We know this. They didn't. Come on. They didn't, but we judge Peter. And what was wrong with him? It's like we did the same thing he does. And it's worse because we know. I'm almost there. The story gets, for them, even more difficult. For us, as the story unfolded and we're looking back on the story, it's like, yes, he's alive. We sang that song this morning. It was so good. He's alive. We're like, yes, he's alive. He, he got victory over death. And now we can live. But for them, he died. And then 
He rose again, and they're happy to see him, but they were still unsure of what he was doing. They didn't trust the bigger picture. They were unsure, and he revealed himself to them. He did. He revealed himself, and he said, now we've got a new message. And you would think, they're like, yes, they weren't. They're like, you died, and now you're alive. What if you die again? You're making us look crazy here. But if you think about it, we do the same thing in the church. Is he dead or is he alive? Is he dead or is he alive? I'm not going to stand for him because maybe he won't show up. I'm telling you, he's alive. It's a done deal. The arrangement has been made. The plans have been fulfilled. There's nothing left that he needs to do for you or for me. But the disciples were like, not sure I really want to preach that message. And I want you to understand, as we prepare to look at the scripture, I want you to understand something. This is where they were as we open up the word to John 21. This is the place that they were in their heart. And Jesus had resurrected at this point when we come to the scripture here and revealed himself to them more than once prior to this Revelation here, prior to showing up in this portion of scripture. And so I'm just going to read a few, voice, a few verses out of John 21, and then I'll stop, and then we'll close it up with a few more. John 21 verse 1 says, after these things, after what things? After the things that we just talked about. They walked with him, they followed him, they saw the miracles, then he died. Then he rose from the dead. They were happy. They saw their Lord again, but they didn't understand the plan. So they were reluctant. After these things, Jesus showed himself again to the disciples at the Sea of Tiberias. And in this way, he showed himself. Simon Peter, Thomas called the twin, Nathaniel of Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and the two other of his disciples were together. Simon Peter said to them, I'm going fishing. I'm going fishing. I'm going back to that thing that I can rely on. I'm going back to what I'm good at. I'm going back to that place of familiarity. I'm going back to that place of comfort. I'm going back to where I can know I know I can produce for myself. I know I'm going back to that place where I can take care of myself. I can provide for myself because I'm skilled there. And it's safe there. He was a little disillusioned and he was a little confused about his purpose. And you know what trips me out? In the story, after he said, I'm fishing, they said to him, we're going to go with you. You know what that tells me? That we as leaders, when we're confused or when we're disillusioned, we need to be careful. Because people are following us into our confusion and into our disillusionment. They went out and immediately got into the boat. And that night, they caught nothing. Zip. All night long, I could just see Peter. Can't you see, Peter? Guys, all right, come on, guys. You can go with me. I really kind of wanted to just go be by myself, but come come on. I'll take care of you. So Peter, all night long, is like, I got this, guys. And they're sitting in the boat. Peter throws the net out. Nothing. And about this time, they're starting to give him a hard time. Bro, (laughs) I thought you said you were a fisherman. How's that working for you? 
It's not working for us. We're getting a little hungry. Maybe you need to toss it out a little differently or something. I, I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe you lost your skills. Peter said, I'm just, a little, I'm just a little rusty, guys. Just let me give it another shot all night long. Time after time after time. You probably want to throw them guys out of the boat by the end of the night. Scripture goes on. When the morning had now come, Jesus stood on the shore, yet the disciples did not recognize him. They did not know it was him. Okay, now remember, he had already revealed himself. He had already showed himself to them after the resurrection on several occasions. Then Jesus said to them, children, this is, like I said, first service. This is sarcastic Jesus. Have you any food? In other words, he's saying, how's that working for you guys? It's the same thing the Holy Spirit is saying to us in this room this morning. How's it working for you? How are you doing in that working out your own purpose and working out your own plan thing? Are you thrilled about that? Are you hungry? Are you hungry? You ready to eat? So he cries out to them children. Interesting, he calls them children too. Have you any food? And they answered him, no. And he said to them, cast the net on the, on the right side of the boat and you will find some. So they cast it and now they were not able to draw it in because of the multitude of fish. When following God becomes uncomfortable, we do tend to return to our comfortable, safe routine. Peter happened to go fishing. The empty nets that Peter pulled up all night, they're a prophetic symbol of humility and shame. How, I mean, not shame, but shame is not how you come before the Lord, but humility, sometimes he has a way of humbling us so that we will return to him. If not, then shame follows. So you got to see this picture. you got to see this picture of what was going on. Jesus walks out on the shore. He reveals himself to him. And in verse 4, we read it. But when the morning had now come, Jesus stood on the shore, yet the disciples did not know that it was him. There's an unfamiliar man standing on the shore of our religious mindsets and our religious um, junk and our own plans and our own purposes. There's a man, an unfamiliar man, and he's standing on the shore because when we were running away from our purpose, when we were walking away from what God had called us to, when we were tired of the ridicule, when we were tired of the junk, when we were tired of the difficulty, when we were tired of the challenges, and we just said, I want to walk away and I want to go fishing for a little while. When we were walking away, Jesus was right behind us. Goodness and mercy following us every step of the way. Goodness and mercy is following you in this house today. If you're running from God, if you're running from your purpose in him, if you've been looking to fulfill your own purposes, achieve your own successes, what God is saying to you this morning is I'm following you and I'm going to follow you to the shore and I'm going to stand on the shore and I'm going to ask you the questions that I need to ask you until you realize what you're doing. Have you any food? You know what I love is the next question. Actually, no, it's not the question. Let me, let me just let me back it up just a little bit. 
He asked that question in verse 5. Have you any food? When God asks a question, when he poses a question to us, it's not because he doesn't already know the answer. It isn't. It's not because he doesn't know the answer. He, did, he knew that there was no fish in the net when he said, have you any food? Just like he knew when he asked Adam, why are you naked? He knew why Adam was naked. Adam needed to understand why he was naked. He needed to understand he was going the wrong direction. It's the same question he asked Cain. Where is your brother Cain? It's not that God didn't know that Cain murdered his brother. It's that Cain needed to realize what what he was doing. Same thing with Elijah when he ran from Jezebel. After his big ordeal on top of, can't remember what mountain, Mount Carmel. You know, just the display of God's power, the prophets of Baal being annihilated. And he, run, he runs, not just across the valley, but across a nation to a mountain. And he's running. I'm tired. I don't want to do this. I feel like I'm all by myself. Those were his actual words. I feel like I'm the only one doing this. I'm lonely, tired. And on that mountain, across a nation, Right behind him. Goodness and mercy. And the question was posed. Elijah, what are you doing here? It wasn't because God didn't know what he was doing there. It was because Elijah needed to make a different plan. He needed his plan to line up with God's plan again. You know what? God told Elijah, go back the same way you came. There's no other plan. This is the plan. My plan's the plan that works. Whether you can see it or not, my plan is the plan that works. My plan is the plan that brings success. Get back and anoint the kings and anoint the prophets because the picture is bigger than you, Elijah. It's bigger than you. And as a matter of fact, you're not the only one. There's others. And then I love it in verse 6. God makes a suggestion. Why don't you reposition yourself? Go to the other side of the boat. Throw the net on the other side. You know why God said that? He said, if maybe if they move to the other side of the boat, they'll recognize who I am. Sometimes we need a different perspective. We need new eyes. The disillusionment, the disability to see, which is disillusion. We get disillusioned and we can't see who he is anymore. We can't trust his character. We can't trust his nature. And God is saying, take another look. Reposition yourself. So they did, and they threw the net in. And they, the, the scripture, we read it. The scripture said they could not draw the net in. It was so full. They were struggling to bring the net in. Let's read on just a little bit. So they cast the net, and now they were not able to draw it in. That's in verse 6. Verse 7 says this. Therefore the disciple whom Jesus loved, who is that, John, said to Peter, It's the Lord. Something happened in John. He didn't recognize Jesus when he was first standing on the shore, but when Jesus started to speak, I have I has not seen nor has near ear heard. And then we read later, but you have seen and you have heard what God is opening up to you. So Jesus presents himself and gave, gave enough of himself away to where John said, wait a minute, I've been here before. 
because John was with Peter when Peter first was encountered by God. And something clicked in John, and his heart was stirred, and he said, Peter, it's Jesus. It's him. And it wasn't just the, oh, it's him. Remember we saw him a couple days ago? He was raised from the dead. It was, it's him, Peter. He is the one. He is the one. He is the one. And if he died yesterday and rose today, even if he dies tomorrow, he's the one. And something just happened in, 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 in John's heart, and it snapped Peter out of it. And Peter's eyes were opened, and he saw Jesus standing on the shore. And you know what he did? First of all, he recognized that Jesus was looking at him standing there in his chones. <laughs> Bible says it. He threw off his outer garment before he went fishing. He threw it off. How, about, how many of you know that you cannot disconnect with God's purpose in your life and find success? I need to say that again. Because what had happened before Peter got in the boat, he threw the coat off that he was wearing because he couldn't fish in it. You cannot disconnect with God's purpose in your life and find success. That's what Peter tried to do. But when God first called him, he was a fisherman. He called him, he was a fisherman. He had a specific work garment. It was probably cut differently than, than a lot of what the people did in the city, in the marketplace. He was a blue-collar worker. He needed to be able to move in that garment. It was probably cut specifically. And when Jesus called him, he was probably really happy to get, it, get out of that old stinky thing and put on the robe of a disciple. Wear that cloak. So I look like him. I dress like him. But Peter took that cloak off. And when he saw Jesus and recognized that he was him, it was him, the scripture says in verse 7, Peter heard that it was the Lord. And he put on his outer garment, for he had removed it, and he plunged into the sea. How many of you have ever been swimming in a robe? Have you ever been pushed in the pool with like even just clothes on? Could you imagine trying to swim in, a, in the cloak or garment? of that day that especially, you know, the men were, you know, they were required to wear the long ones. So Peter took the plunge. He jumped in. And some of you in this place today, you're wearing the wrong garment. Or maybe you're standing even right now at the sound of my voice, exposed and naked and hungry before a God who gave you a garment to wear. And you need to reconnect with your purpose. You need to reconnect with your destiny. You need to reconnect. You need to recognize that the garment that he created for you to wear is your identity as a disciple. And you can't pursue those old things, those empty things, without God in the middle of it and achieve anything with purpose. Sure, you can achieve success. God gives us the freedom to achieve, you know, to, to pursue the desires of our hearts. But sometimes we get so caught up in pursuing those desires that our desires become bigger than God, and then we wonder where the luster of life went. God's opening our eyes. You know what Peter did? He made a decision. Some of you are in that place today where you need to make, you need to make that decision. You're standing in the boat, exposed before God, and that merciful, gracious face is looking at you, saying, why don't you put on the coat? Put your coat back on. Put your cloak back on because, Peter, 
it's better to drown fulfilling my purpose than to end up naked and cold and starving pursuing your own. And Peter made a decision right there. He put that cloak on in the boat. It says, in the boat. And he jumped in. He made a decision, I'd rather drown. I'd rather drown. And some of you need to make that decision today. Some of you, life has been pulling you the other direction. Circumstances have been pulling you the other direction. The stuff of life has been weighing you down, and you're disillusioned with God. And you can't see him for who he is anymore. And that's because your eyes are more on what's going on than than they are on the big picture. And he's calling you to a place. At the sound of my voice right now, he's calling you to a place of response. He's calling you to a place where you say, God, it's you. It's you. It's you. It's you. I remember you. I remember that you did it before. And I remember that you died for me and you rose again. And just like Peter had to make a decision, God, if you look dead today, I know you're going to look alive again. So Peter said, you know what? If he dies again tomorrow, he can raise himself up again. And if he dies himself the next day, and if I have to look like a fool, I'm going to follow him because purpose outside of him. purpose outside of him is vanity. It's empty. It's empty. You might not even be struggling right now. You might be saying, I'm doing all right, but I guarantee you one day God will bring you back to this message when your heart is hurting or when you're lonely or when you go bankrupt or when your business fails or when your spouse gets sick or walks out on you. You'll remember. God's opening some eyes. He's speaking to us and he's saying, there's a good plan and then there's a God plan. Which is it going to be? You know, the awesome thing about God is even when we've failed him, when we've walked away, when we've denied him, when we've hid from him, and we've made a decision whether we want to admit it or not that we really aren't happy with following him he still chases us down and in spite of all of it in spite of all of it the arrangement still stands church listen family listen friends listen You can't focus on your lack, what's going wrong, what's not right, and be able to see the arrangement at the same time. You can't do it. You can't do it. The lack will swallow you up. It's it's, it's our nature. It will swallow us up. You got got to get your eyes on the big picture, and that's what Jesus was trying to teach the disciples. And you know the awesome thing about this story is the way that it ends. Jesus, I mean, Peter makes it to the shore. There's a bigger picture. Peter forgot all about the nets that were being drugged. The disciples were behind him bringing the boat to the shore and they're dragging the net with all the fish. You know what Jesus was doing? He was sitting by the fire on the beach with a stool ready for Peter. And the scripture says, 
Then as soon as they had come to the land, they saw a fire of coals there and a fish laid on the fire. Come on, think about that for just a minute. Peter went out in his own pursuit, going after what he was used to, looking to fill the nets with something. And God even performed a miracle and let him fill the nets. But on the shore was Jesus, chilling by the fire. Peter's struggling with the robe, trying to get back to the shore. If I could have the prayer team come up. Prayer team, ministers, just come on up. You might need a word today. Maybe you know Jesus, but you just need, you need to be reminded of who you are and how he sees you and what he's got in store for you. That's really why we're here. But I'm telling you right now, Jesus is sitting on the, sh- on the shore next to the fire and there's a stool ready for you. And in the pan, shh, how do you like that done? You're like, well done? Like your fish well done? Shh. They weren't the fish from the net. There was already a fish on the fire. It was a big lesson for Peter. What you lost or what you think you left behind, you've already gained it. I've got it. It's in my hands. There's nothing that you could go after that's of value for you that I, don't, that I haven't already arranged. The arrangement has been made. The arrangement has been made. Why don't we stand to our feet this morning? Thank you for downloading this message. For more information on our church, visit us at www.cwcsj.org.